Good morning, church. It's nice in here, isn't it? AC is working, right? Everything is good. I guess I'm a little sensitive because the AC in my car just broke. So, you know. But uh, that's, the, uh, that's the bad news. Good news is I got to drive Nancy's car here. <laughs> that's got air conditioning, you know. Bad news is it's because she broke her arm, so she can't drive it. So, you know. Bad news, good news, bad news, good news the whole time, right? So I've got to confess something to you. And the confession I have is this, that when I was younger, I used to love watching the show called Candid Camera. Anybody remember Candid Camera? All right, we've got some, some faithful Candid Camera people in here. You know, today they have similar shows, but, but they're called like Punked or something, or they, you know, there's all kinds of crazy names for these. But Candid Camera was really kind of like the beginning of these shows, where they would try to catch somebody. In, in some kind of setup, right? Uh, so there was one particular one that I really liked, and it was, this is, this is how long it was, so don't, don't make fun of me, okay? Uh, I actually learned how to speak English watching Candid Camera, I mean, so, because there was a lot of actions and stuff going on. So here we are, uh, this guy is walking through these busy streets of New York City, and there is a telephone booth. Do you remember, how many of you remember telephone booths? People are looking at me going, a telephone booth? What is that, you know? <laughs> so there was this glass enclosure with actually a telephone in it, right? And, and uh, as you walked by, the phone would ring. And most people would just kind of walk by, you know? And, but once in a while, somebody would go and open the, the door and answer the phone. And the person on the other side would be talking to them, saying, hi, I I'm sorry, uh, uh, are you at the phone booth at, you know, and, and all of a sudden you'd go like, wait, excuse me, achoo, like that. And as he would do that, they had rigged up the phone so that spray would come out of the, you know, the little thing. So you're like, oh, I am sorry, but, but please know I am not contagious, he says, you know. And, and then they would go on and on, and, and, and it would just it'd be funny how people would react. You know, they would put the phone down, and, you know, they just thought it was like, what is going on, you know. And have you ever had anybody sneeze at you? I mean, like you got wet. You know what I'm talking about? Or you wish you had an umbrella that day. You know, you just people sneezed at you. I'm going to talk about this word called contagious. Because that's when we really, I know there's a couple of uh, people in here. I know we have an infectious disease doctor in our midst right here that he, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. This contagious thing, right? The spread from one person to another by direct or indirect contact. Of course, the telephone booth was a fake, right? I mean, really, of course, you cannot catch it from that unless, of course, it's on the phone, right? So how many of you guys, like, carry, like, Prell or whatever? No, not Prell. What is that called? Perel. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And you just kind of, Prell, I guess, is why you shampoo or something? I don't know. Don't, don't use Prell. That could be kind of messy. But Perel, I think it is. And you, know, and you kind of wipe stuff down. You know what I'm talking about? Right? So uh, when we're talking about contagious, we're talking about being able to get to the point uh, that, that we spread 
from one person to another God's kingdom. Are you following me? So I, I have a question I want to ask you right now. What makes you sneeze? What makes you sneeze for the kingdom of God? Hmm. Have you been infected? Shh. I'm going to tell you a secret. We here at the Richland Church, we're committed to transmitting a contagion. Oh, yeah, I want you to listen carefully here. We are creating an epidemic that will cause you, your neighbors, your friends, to become contaminated with the Jesus virus. Are you with me? We want to teach you how to sneeze. We want that to cause all that walk through these doors to be so infected that they are compelled to spread the word and they become sneezers. We want to turn you into sneezers. How's that sound? We want to get you. That sounds gross. I know. I know. I know. But that's what we want to do. Together. We want to turn strangers into visitors. Visitors into friends. Friends into family. And families into carriers. How are we doing out there? See, I am on a mission uh, and I talked to some of you that I know you're passionate about this, on a mission that church is not just about coming to church once a week, sitting down, hearing a good word, going home, you know, worshiping God, going home, and then start week all over again and as if nothing has ever happened. Church is about being infected with the passion of God to such a degree that you cannot help but pass it on to others. But instead of making others sick, it makes others happier. It makes ha others healthier. It makes others more connected to God. They live forever because they are so... Now listen, this is not like something I came up with. I just want you to know that. I wish I did. I, I, I wish this was my idea, but this is something that happened many, many years ago. In the uh, book of John, let's see if I have this baby here with me. There's this, this verse here. It says, this is, this is at the end that Jesus was about to leave planet Earth. And this is what happened. It says, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord because he had been dead and is resurrected. They had been glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. And listen carefully to what he says. To them, and he says that to each and every one of us. As the Father has sent me, even so what? I am sending you. And when he had said this, he what? He breathed on them. Anybody ever breathe on you? And he said, receive, what? The Holy Spirit. Has Jesus breathed on you? Have you received the Holy Spirit? I know a couple of weeks ago, our head elder, Len, preached about the Holy Spirit. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Has it caused you to sneeze? 
to infect others with that wonderful, wonderful. Because here's what happened. When Jesus did this, you know what happened? Catch this. I love this. One verse after another. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7. And so the word of God, what? Spread like a disease. It's gross, I know. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 13, the word of the Lord spread through the whole region. Acts 12, but the word of God continued to spread and what? Multiply. Acts 19, so the word of the Lord powerfully continued to what? Spread and prevail. Doesn't this sound like an infectious disease? It's just spreading and spreading. Why? Because they caught the breath of God. They caught this thing that infected them, and they could not help be contagious for Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus wants us to be contagious, don't you? The believers became known as the ones that were turning the world upside down. They were breathing and sneezing on everybody. Breathing and sneezing on everybody. So much so that people were getting like, hey, hey, stop. They wanted to kill them. Stop breathing and sneezing because the more they breathed, the more they sneezed, the more they multiplied. It was an amazing thing. They couldn't even kill them. The more they killed them, the more they multiplied. A Christian historian once wrote that the blood of the saints is seed. You could not kill them, shut them up. How about you? Are you infected? What are we known for these days? I mean, isn't that important? Isn't it important to be known for the right things? Right now, the World Cup is going on. Oh, yeah, you'll keep hearing me talking about this. We're down to the last few teams. Some of us have our heart broken in here because our team didn't make it. Don't feel bad. Mine didn't even make it to the final 32, right? No need to laugh at that. That's okay. I'm, I'm getting over it. But, I, you know, everybody's got this thing called the World Cup fever. Even people that don't like soccer. Oh, yeah, have you been following the World Cup? You know? I remember when my, my daughter was just, just very young. She, uh, I wanted her to learn how to play soccer. So I got her a soccer ball. And she was excited about it at first, you know. She kicked it a couple of times and then said, uh, I, I don't like this anymore. And so I went to Nancy and said, honey, I need a paternity test. There's no way on earth that this is my daughter here, right? Because you want them to represent who you are, right? It took me a long time to finally get her a little bit excited about soccer. But do you think she's following the World Cup today? Nah. She hasn't have a clue what's going on this past few weeks. And she just has no idea, Right? What is it? What are you known for? Identity is important. And some things, we are so good at figuring out what we're identified by. Isn't that true? In fact, you know things about stuff that you didn't even realize you knew. I'll give you an example. A little test here, right? Uh, it's about to get real here, so just stay with me on this, okay? Here we go. There are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's... Yeah, don't be afraid to say it if you know it. Go ahead, say it, say it, say it. There's MasterCard, right. Uh, don't leave home without it. American Express, yeah. You're in good hands with? It's sad, isn't it? Like a good neighbor? <laughs> 
What can Brown do for you? UPS, yes. Think outside the bun. Taco Bell, Adventists should know that one, right? Ladies, ladies, you know this one, right? Every kiss begins with... <laughs> that's just unbelievable, isn't it? Zoom, zoom. Pizza, pizza. Little Caesars, yes. It's amazing the stuff we know that we can identify just by a couple of words, just by some branding, right? Taglines help us identify the brand and the influence of the product. Have you ever wondered how people recognize us? <laughs> you knew where I was going with this, didn't you? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, I, I've heard of you guys. You're the Seventh-day Adventist. You're the guys that don't eat pork, you don't wear jewelry, and you go to church on a different day than everybody else is in buggies, right? Isn't that it? <laughs> you ever, uh, how many of you have ever heard of the comedian Jeff Foxworthy? Yeah, he does this thing called, you know, you know you're a redneck if, right? Remember that? So I, I've heard this one called, you know you're an Adventist if. So let's see, let's see how good you are at this one. Ready? See if you can identify with this. You know you're an Adventist if you had an Uncle Arthur, Uncle Dan, Aunt Sue, and were amazed to find out that all your friends in Sabbath school did too. <laughs> you know you're an Adventist if you think of kids instead of cars when you hear the word Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. You know you're an Adventist if you've ever asked for a veggie whopper at Burger King. You know you're an Adventist if the ABC sells books and health foods, not liquor, right? It's more of a southern thing, but just so you know. If you're down in the south and you see ABC, do not walk in there. It is probably not a bookstore, just so you know. You know you're an Adventist if you know what the grillers are. You know you're an Adventist if your date on Friday night was to Vespers. You know what I'm talking about, right? Now, these things are great. Don't misunderstand me. But they should, the, these things, they should enhance our experience, not define us. Are you following what I'm just saying? I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known for loving my Bible, my community, my church, and my God. Christians today as a whole let alone Adventist. Today, Christianity is being more and more identified by the secular word for being closed-minded, homophobic, holier than thou, and self-righteous. Isn't that true? Do you want to be identified as that? Is that what you want to be? And I, I don't understand that at all. What is it about us that makes us want to be ugly? That's not me. I hate it when people say, well, you know what? I can't stand Seventh-day Adventists because they do. Hey, look, hey, hey, stop, stop. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. You're talking about me. And I don't know what those people are doing or what those people are saying, but that's not me. I believe in my Bible. I believe in my God. And I love Jesus. That's who I am. Are you following what I'm saying here? So this is all important for this reason. There's this passage in uh, the book of John and Jesus gets real, real here. It's one of my favorite passages. I know I've heard, you probably heard me say that many times. That's because I love my Bible. <laughs> then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Okay, hold on, I'm going the wrong way. 
I went the other way. Hold on. This is it. Jesus says, I am what? The good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Do you believe that? Can you follow that so far? I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my Father knows me, and I know the Father. Do you know Jesus? Does he know you? You know, I feel like sometimes we have warped the image of God so much so that we don't really even know who Jesus is and we don't understand this shepherd thing. And you've heard me quote this before. This is one of my very favorite authors said these words and so powerful in the book called The Desire of Ages. She writes, It is not the fear of punishment nor the hope of everlasting reward that leads the disciple of Christ to follow him. But they behold his matchless love from the manger in Bethlehem to Calvary's cross. And the sight of him softened and subdues the heart. And they hear his voice and they follow him. I love that. Because what she is saying is that the way that we get to the point of following Jesus is by causing, by, by getting to know Jesus to such a degree that he becomes irresistible to us. That we're not afraid of hell. It's not a bad thing to be, by the way. And we're, 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 we're looking forward to heaven. That's a good thing too. But those are not the reasons to be a believer. And those should never be the reasons that we tell others to be believers. Are you following what I'm saying? That is not contagious. What is contagious is falling in love with a Jesus that is so powerful, so beautiful, so amazing that you cannot help but spread the word, but spread the disease. You cannot help but sneeze on people and breathe on people because you are filled with the Holy Ghost. And then he says these words, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep. What? There's more than the ones in this church? I have other sheep, too, that are not of this sheepfold. What? Jesus, what are you talking about? And then he says, I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there one day will be one flock and one shepherd. Amen? Do you believe that there are other sheep that are just as valuable to God? See, imagine the scene, if you will. When Jesus said these words, let's take it into context. The Jewish leaders had been talking about lecturing Jesus about being descendants of who? Of Abraham. They were the chosen one. They were God's elite. They were the only ones. They were the exclusive ones. Jesus even loves arrogant leaders. Do you believe that? So he's trying to teach them in an attempt to diffuse the we are the best, we are the only, you know, we are the ones, the exclusive mentality that had plagued them and made them 
so ineffective as the ambassadors of truth, Jesus says these words. Hey, just so you understand, before Abraham was, I am. Before there was a father Abraham, who was the father of the Israel church, I am. I was there before the, I, we had believers before Abraham. So stop thinking you're it. See, one of the greatest challenges to sharing Jesus, to being contagious, is to think that we are it and that we are exclusively it. It is one thing to say we have amazing, powerful truth and the truth will set you free. It's another thing to say we are the only ones. How are we doing out there? I know that this is rubbing some people wrong. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And I need you to know I have other sheep. What? Can you repeat that? I have other sheep. Not of this fold. But they are my sheep. They will hear my voice. They will follow me. One of the most remarkable statements that Jesus made that disarms the exclusive mentality that can often infect the church. I'm all for having a healthy culture, but again, that culture should enhance us, not define us. And some of us, and I know this is hard, but some of us are so married to the culture that we cannot let it go to sneeze on people. Because sometimes that culture can be unhealthy when you're dealing with people that are very, 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 very sick and they need the great physician. Are you following what I'm saying at all? Is anybody here, is, are you guys doing okay, man? I mean, I'm, I mean is somebody going to make me feel better about this talk here? Because I'm starting to really worry about this. So before we get too critical of the Jews, I think all of us can say that we've all experienced that exclusive mentality, not in this church, but among the ranks. Isn't that true? It comes in all shapes and sizes and colors. Right? The Bible is full of people outside the church who demonstrated greater faith, greater nobility, than those who were inside the church. Over and over in the Bible, have you noticed that? There's this centurion, he's a Roman guy, he's got more faith. Jesus says, wow, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. What, this heathen? Yes, this heathen. The Syrophoenician woman who reaches out to touch Jesus, remember her? The Samaritan woman at the well, we're going to talk about her next week. This woman goes and she starts telling everybody what Jesus did for her. Right? You have, you have wise magis from the east that come and they know that the king of the universe is about to be born and the Jews don't even know. The church didn't even know. God has always used faithful believers not of this fold. 
that he wanted to bring to the fold. And sometimes the more subtle but no less dangerous exclusive behaviors demonstrated by the way we unwelcome those who look or act or even worship differently than we do. Isn't that true? Sometimes all of us, we don't realize this, and I've caught myself. I want you to know I'm preaching to myself. I've caught myself sometimes at this, and I'm thinking, what is wrong with me? But sometimes we carry this unpublished list of people we don't think have much of a chance with God. And that list is different for everybody. Isn't that true? But I'm going to tell you something right now. If you're sitting in this room right now, I don't care what anybody's ever said to you. I don't care if I've said something wrong to you. I apologize right now. You matter to God. Everyone that we lock eyes with matters to God. And if we're going to get contagious, we must get to the point where we realize there is no one, absolutely no one, that doesn't matter to God. If you're living and breathing, you matter to God. When I was, uh, I was a brand new pastor, I was trying to get it right, man. I, I had no clue what I was doing. I still don't, but I was really bad then. And uh, I was getting my hair cut. It was one of those, those days where I was claiming the promises, you know, God keep every hair on my head counted. I didn't know then whether or not I was going to go bald or not, so, you know, you get a little bit. And I remember, I remember talking to this girl named Denise. And uh, she knew I was a pastor somehow, and she, I guess we talked about it, and she kept talking about him as the dude upstairs. Oh, yeah, I talk to the dude upstairs all the time. I said, well, would you like to have a, a Bible study about the dude upstairs sometime? He goes, you could do that? I go, yeah. Well, where would I get a Bible? I said, I think I could make that happen. Do they sell them in regular bookstores? Don't worry about it. I'll get you one. All right. So she comes, but she comes with two guys, Mike Long hair, just all over the place, you know. And Nick, tank tops. This is early 80s. Tank tops, tattoos, nose rings, earrings, buff. I'm thinking, I better say the right things here, you know. And we got to talk, and I got to tell you something. I had to immediately say, these people matter to God. And they are no different than me. It wasn't long ago that my hair was just a little bit lo longer than his. <laughs> right? And we got to study the Bible. My, one of my greatest joys was to, to, to embrace Mike and Nick and baptize them both. It was such a wonderful journey to go through, man. And today they are both wonderful, beautiful Christians. I follow them on Facebook. Some of you remember me talking to you about John from Scotland. I'm still studying with him. He's been, and it's been more studying than, and, and less leadership consulting. It's funny, you know. Wonderful guy. Just a wonderful guy. There was a guy by the name of Alan. I'll never forget him. He was a Vietnam vet. came to church. And, you know, he had been through so much. And I'll never forget him sitting in, 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 in our prayer meeting. And he got so upset, he walked out. I went to talk to him. I said, what's the matter, Alan? He goes, I am so tired of hearing uh, about members complaining about the carpet. He said, I saw friends dying 
The carpet was blood around me. And we're worried about the carpet instead of the young people in this church. Whew. I remember John. John was the first person I ever met that had AIDS. This was a while back. John was this tall black man. He said, can we talk? I said, sure. I didn't know at the time. We started talking, and, and he shared with me that he had AIDS. He said, would you study the Bible with me? We studied the Bible together. And, I, you know, back in those days, you didn't know. I, I don't know. I mean, do, do I shake his hand? Do I, what do I do, you know? I remember the day that he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. I'll never forget this. He just started crying. I just got up. I, 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 I was compelled. And I gave him this hug. His tears were staining my shirt. And I'm thinking, Lord, you're going to have to protect me right now because I don't know what's going on. I don't know what it is. And I don't know. But I just know this guy needs a hug from you, and I'm going to give it to him. And he just cried on my shoulder. One week later, he passed away. Do you think John matters to God? I'm just amazed how much God loves the lost. The lost, the spiritually confused, you're in here right now and you matter to God. I want you to know that. Even if you've been going to church all your life and you still feel lost and spiritually confused, you matter to God. So would you, would you join me to be contagious? To start sneezing on people? By avoiding any spirit of exclusivity? Would you be willing to be rubbing shoulders with sinners and others that are not like you? Because what good is it sneezing on those that are already sick? <laughs> Jesus sneezed on Matthew, Levi Matthew. Levi Matthew was a tax collector, man. He knew people all over walks of life. And, and Levi Matthew was so excited in Luke chapter 7, I believe it is, he throws a party. And at the party, it's a mixed crowd, right? And there's, there's believers and there's non-believers. There's thieves and, and corrupt tax collectors as well as Pharisees and priests and others. And they're all there and, and Jesus is there and the Pharisees are so like, they, they, like well, come on, he says. Like I, they ask, why do you and your rabbi eat and drink with sinners? And Jesus overheard and he says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's not the sick that need a doctor. It's the healthy that need a doctor. Isn't that true? So we need to go and, and, and rub shoulders with people that need for us to sneeze on them. Do you know that here in the Tri-Cities, there are many who are spiritually sick? I don't know who you go and, and, and take your clothes to for cleaners. I don't know where you get your gas. I don't know where you go shopping. But everybody that you lock eyes with matters to God. They desperately need to be infected. I need you to infect them with the Jesus virus. I need you to, to, to sneeze on them. Are you following what I'm saying here? I believe that we worship the God of this city. Do you? I'm sure he's the God of other cities, 
But right now, he's the God of this city. He's the king of these people. He's the light in this darkness. He's the hope for these hopeless people. He's the peace for these restless people. There is no one like our God. Do you believe that? We're going to sing a song that has those words in it. And at, towards, towards the, the chorus of that song, it says this. It says, greater things have yet to come. And greater things are still to be done in this city. So let's join God and spread the virus. Amen? Amen. Amen.